You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. into the throne room boldly. Amen, amen. Well, how many are thankful that we can go into the throne room boldly? Hallelujah today in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, amen. We're gonna dismiss our children to their Sunday school classes this morning. Amen, and it will be just for our teacher's sake, it'll be a little bit shorter than our normal. Amen today. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that the Lord is calling us, amen, to his will. And that's what I want to preach about today. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to stand as we go to the book of Exodus, chapter number 16, Exodus chapter number 16. And I hope you've had a great week. What an awesome, awesome time we had last weekend here for our mission Uh, Sunday, if you did not miss it, you will want to go back and catch those services. Just an absolute blessing. And thank you so much for all of you that have been faithful in your giving to missions, global missions around the world. We hosted yet another missionary family this week, sent them off with an offering from Bangladesh, brother and sister James Corbin from Bangladesh. And we shared the post online. If you haven't seen their ministry, you can go on there and watch their videos. And you'll remember last year when we had brother Matt Yader here, he had just returned from a crusade where over 5,000, almost 6,000 received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hundreds literally had miraculous healings. And uh, I was telling brother Corbin how great it was to have Brother Yader here talking about being over there praying and blind eyes being open. And uh, for those of you that don't know, Brother Yader is blind. Amen. But God was able to work through him and many others. And so thank you for giving to missions because you cannot outgive God. And uh, amen. What a wonderful time we had. But today I want to take you to Exodus chapter number 19. And uh, for sake of time, I'm just going to read three verses of Scripture. Uh, Let's make it four. Let's start at verse number three. Exodus chapter 19 and verse number three. We will begin here. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings. And brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if ye will keep, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. If ye will obey my voice, he says, I'll make you a treasure above all people. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning, if I can, on this thought, the measure of your potential, the measure 
of your potential. Can we lay our Bibles down and let's ask God to have his way one more time? Amen. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for everyone that's made the way to the house of God, and I thank you for your word. And I pray right now in the next few moments that we have together that your spirit would speak expressly to our lives. You know every detail. God, we give it to you today. I pray your purpose would be born and continued in each of us in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. Amen to the Lord. Amen. We have today a powerful, powerful word. And I want to take just a few moments if I can today. I know we've had choir and baby dedication, but I hope you'll stay with me because this is something that God has been dealing with me all week. I haven't been able to get it out of my mind. In fact, since last week at NAYC, there was something that just was a seed thought. God began to show some things to me, and he brought me down to this passage in Exodus 19 where Moses as the children of Israel are going through the wilderness not long after they have been brought out. Here Moses goes up on top of the mountain, and God says... Here's what I want you to tell the people. And he comes down, and this is the word that he says. If you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And he gives him here this powerful truth. It's, it really is a, a paradigm shift. It really is a a different way of thinking, of living. He's trying to speak to this generation about the key element of their potential, about how they are able to do and how they will be able to do great things and be great success on this earth, and he gives them the key and the token right here. The first thing that he does before he gives them the charge, before he gives them the challenge, before the instruction comes, is that he first reminds them of his miracle working power. In verse 4, if you can put that back up there, it says this, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and I brought you unto myself. It's a poetic way of saying that God delivered the children of Israel out of bondage and he redeemed them and he separated them unto himself. He uses the term, he says, I, I, I bear you on eagle's wings as if he was to pick them up and they were to soar high among and above all of the trouble and all of the turmoil. God brought them out. He says, you remember and you know what I did to the Egyptians. You know how their way of thinking and their ideologies and their, and their lifestyle and, and their bad theology, their, their rebellious theology, their agnostic or, or atheistic theology that rejected God. He said, you saw where it led them, but now I was able to work great things in your life. And the first thing that he does is he draws to mind the miraculous work that he has done in their life. This literally is a reference to the 10 plagues that God brings in the land of Egypt. And we don't have time to go through each of those plagues was dethroning 
thing, an Egyptian deity or concept of deity. And it was the Lord God Almighty letting them know that you may think this is a God, but no, I am the only God, and I'm God all by myself. And through all of those plagues, he spared Israel, and he kept them, and then he brings them out of Egypt through the Red Sea. And what an incredible miracle that he did in that moment. This was not just some kind of explanation about a famine or a drought, but this was a miracle. The waters parted, and they walked across on dry ground. Folks, you don't see this every day. Isn't in the kind, this isn't the kind of stuff that you say, oh, oh well, isn't that cool? You, you know, that's not what happens when they were walking. Would you look at that? That is not what they were saying when they were walking through the Red Sea. I mean, this was an incredible miracle and escape. They get through, and now as they stand on the other side, their mind is still spinning. They're trying to still just grasp and comprehend what is happening, what just happened. And then Moses stands there, and they watch as those who are chasing hard after their life this time now to pull them back, not only into slavery, but to destroy them and they watch as the enemy of God's people are drowned in the sea and now not only did God bring them out but he destroyed the threat from ever coming back against them from ever coming back to chase them I don't know about you but I'm thankful today that God is not only a God that delivers from sin but he can once and for all destroy the threat of sin Amen. And so Israel never would have to be worried about the things that were going to happen again to them from Egypt or Pharaoh as far as that concerned. But now Israel is living. Not only does God recall the miracles back then, he said, I bear you on eagles' wings. Now that, that would just, that's just like, man, that's pretty, that would be a miracle if we can fly. Nobody in here can fly, but God is saying, the things that you can't do, I made happen for you. I lifted you up above your ability, above whatever you could have done, and he brought you through. He said, I brought you unto myself. This is a miracle of what takes place. In fact, at this time, this very moment that Moses is speaking to God, they are living in the wilderness. We would see later on for 40 long years, they would live in the wilderness because they disobeyed God, because they did not have faith. But this period of time is the highest. Pay attention to this. You want to mark this down. This is the highest concentration of daily miracles ever happening anywhere in Scripture. Right here in the wilderness is a the highest concentration of daily miracles. And folks, I'm not talking about little miracles. I'm talking about massive miracles. If you've ever been out in the desert and you've ever walked out in the desert for a little while, you, you know that the sun gets hot and, and you are so happy when you can find just enough shade. And in the desert, there's usually no trees out there. The only shade you're going to get is if you can find a rock to go and hide yourself behind. Here they are for 40 years walking in the wilderness. And you know what the psalmist says? The psalmist says, I think it's in chapter 109, he lets us know, he said that 
105, 39, he said, he spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. This was a daily miracle that took place over the children of Israel. How would you like, now, now I like to go hiking and I like to go in the desert, but how would you like to sign up for a trip? But when you sign up, you could have a cloud follow you. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be just awesome? Like, I'm just thinking, Lord, like when I'm mowing grass for all the men that mow the church lawn, it would be nice. I mean, this is the Lord's house. Couldn't he just put a cloud that follows the lawnmower like wherever we're going? I mean, Brother Kendall, that'd make it a lot better, right? I mean, that, that, you're up for that. I'm, I'm okay, Lord. We're, we're not talking about a cloud the size of a lawnmower that just kept you shaded from the unbearably uh, uh, hot sun in the middle of desert. We're talking about a cloud the size of a nation. Imagine as the other nations saw Israel going through the desert. Just think about this for a moment. They've got a cloud and we don't. Come on, I mean, can you really wrap your mind around this? Whenever Israel moved, the cloud moved. Whenever the cloud moved, God said, you just stay with me and I'm going to cover you. You're not going to ever be wore out by the heat. You're going to be in an environment that you should not survive. Hear me, somebody. But God says, I'm going to make a provision that's going to keep you, amen. It's going to make you endure in a situation. That's why when you come into the house of God, into the church, you see people, a part of the body of Christ, that sometimes are living in situations that you think nobody in their right mind ought to be able to live through that. But honey, I got a cloud. He's given me a cloud of protection. And not only that, he's given me a a pillar of fire. The Bible says by night in the desert there was a pillar of fire in the sky. Folks, you're acting like you read about this every day. I mean, or you're acting like, when was the last time you were out there? Lord, I need, I need a I need, I need some warmth. I need some heat in the middle of this cold night. If you've ever been in the desert, sometimes the extremes, it can be 50, 60 degrees. I have woke up early in the morning with a jacket on, hiking through snow, and only to get to the middle of the afternoon, and you've got to get down to a T-shirt because you've had over a 50-degree swing in the middle of the desert. That's what we're talking about. And he said, I'll be your covering in the heat of the day and I'll be your warmth in the middle of the night. Now if that's not enough to blow your mind, get this. Every day bread fell out of heaven. Somebody say praise God. I mean folks, this is better than an Aldi's clearance special. I mean this is daily bread falling out of heaven. All you've got to do is go get it. You take that and you go back and you can bake it into whatever you want. God said every single day I'm going to feed you. So imagine the other nations. They got a cloud. Oh wait, they, they got a pillar of fire. Wait, look at that. That's bread coming out of heaven. Manna coming out of heaven. Okay, you think that's crazy. Wait, wait, it gets better. The Bible says that there was a rock that followed them 
in the wilderness. We don't talk about this a lot. Remember when Moses went over, he was supposed to speak to the rock, but he smote the rock, and out of that rock, water came gushing out, and it provided for them water and abundance in the desert as much as they needed. The Bible says that that rock followed them in the wilderness, that wherever they went, it not only did God lead them by the cloud and the pillar, he followed them with the water, amen, to refresh them, to quench their thirst every single time. If I was another nation, I'd be looking seriously at signing up for their program. I mean, they've got a cloud, they got a pillar, they got manna, they got a rock that brings water out. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Following them around in the wilderness every single day, the highest concentration of miracles that is taking place in Scripture happens right there. Can I tell you, I'm thankful that he's a miracle-working God. Amen. He's a miracle-working God. And God is a God that can do miracles for you. If you ever doubt, amen, one moment, amen, you open up the Word of God. If God did it for them, he can do it for you today. Everything the Bible says in the Old Testament, it's a type and it's a shadow. Whenever they moved, as they would go about, they would set up camp and then they'd stay there for a few days and then the cloud would begin to move and they would follow or the pillar of fire would begin to move and they would tear down everything and they would pack it up and I find that interesting. The cloud would start to move but they had enough time to pack it up. It never left them and they would pack it up and they would, they would march with the cloud wherever it take them to the next spot and then when it would stop then they'd set up camp again and they would set the tent up but every time that it would move they would go and they would pick up those uh, uh, articles that had been designed for the tabernacle of worship and when they would go and they would pick up just for instance, the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony that was in the Holy of Holies. The Lord told them, he said, you are, when he gave them the instructions to build it, he said, you're to put staves and those priests are to bear it on their shoulder. They are to carry it on their shoulder. If you would go back and you would look in Exodus where God told them how to build the ark, if you were to build that, uh, it, it would have been so heavy and it would have been so large and so heavy that a few men, a few priests, if they, if they were, you know, going to Gold's Gym every day and working out and, and really strong, they would have been able to pick up the Ark of the Covenant and they would have been able probably to move it around a room. They would have been able to move it a little bit, but there is no way that they would have been able to carry it throughout the wilderness day by day on long stretches at a time. It's humanly impossible. And here's what the Jews' tradition believe today. They say because it's humanly impossible, they say Moses didn't get it wrong. The Bible didn't get it wrong. What they acknowledge is that every time they went to move the Ark of the God, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, when they picked it up, they could move it around the room. But here's what they say. They didn't carry the Ark of the covenant in the wilderness. What they say is it was the ark of the covenant that was carrying them. Hallelujah. Hear me folks today. The spirit of God is not a burden. Amen. That you can handle. Amen. But the spirit of God is something that will carry you through every journey, through every wilderness of your life. Every day that you live with 
with the Lord, there's a miracle taking place in your life. Every day that you are living for God, he's doing miracles in your life. And I thank God for the miracles. How many believe we have a miracle working God? Amen. Not only is he a God that opens up blind eyes, not only is he a God that's a healer. Amen. He's a healer. We have testimonies in this room. We can't take the time of all the testimonies, physical testimonies of cancers and other things that God has healed. Sister Jesse, I remember when you told me the doctor said that Aaron would never walk. And you brought him here and we prayed and the church prayed and the church family prayed and your family prayed. Now, I love it. He's terrorizing this place. <laughs> Come on, isn't that awesome? Amen, folks. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Amen. I just want to remind you, Sister Jesse, next time he's terrorizing and running around the house and all that stuff, I just want to remind you, you prayed for that. Come on. God's a miracle worker. God's a miracle worker. But not only can God do that, the doctor said he would never walk. And amen, here he is running around. Amen. I'm going to tell you, God can do greater miracles in your heart. Because not only is it miracles of the physical, but there are miracle after miracle after miracle of emotional healing and spiritual healing and how God has changed minds and hearts and lives and refocused and redirected, amen, destinies that are in this room. I'm thankful, amen, that he's a God that bears us up on eagle's wings. He bears us up on eagle's wings. And so, wow, all the miracles that God's done. What an awesome day. We, we, we need to have a, some Sundays here coming up where we just take some time and talk about and proclaim the miracles that God has done. Because God is a miracle worker. The devil's a liar. And he'll come along and say, God can't do it. But I'm here to tell you, you've come too late to tell me because he's already done it. And he's not only a God that did it, he's a God that's still doing it. And we're enduring, amen, everything, amen, that the world has thrown at us. God does miracles in our life. But he told, it, he told Moses, he said, I don't just want you to tell them about the miracles. He said, but something else you've got to tell them because herein, Herein is the issue. Sometimes we can look and we can think. We can think, well, God's doing a miracle in my life, so I must be okay. Hear me. Now, I want, can I just talk to you for just, give me a couple more minutes here. Sometimes we see miracles happening in our life and we think, well, I'm okay. But here we come to the point of the highest concentration of miracles anywhere in Scripture and the miracles were there, not because Israel was doing the right things by God, but because God desired for them to be his people. Whenever miracles comes, I praise God. We ought to thank God for every miracle. And we, we celebrate and we champion, we talk about that. When God does a miracle, he's doing it for a purpose. He's doing it to show us that he is God. And he's doing it to draw us to him. But the measure of our potential is not in how many miracles God has done in our life. I wonder how many in here could say, I, I, I really feel like God has done a miracle in my life, whether it's spiritual, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical. Come on, just raise your hand. I really feel like at some point in my life, God's done a miracle. God did that miracle because God was trying to show me something and draw me to him. 
But the measure of my potential is not the miracles in my life. It's not the amount of miracles in my life. I can't, I can't come and make the mistake and say, well, well, Sister Lisa, I, I've had more miracles than you've had, so I, I must be closer to God than you, because that's not the truth. Because it's not about the miracles. That's not the measure of my potential. The measure of my potential in the kingdom of God, Brother Aaron, has nothing to do with the miracles. In fact, we could say this. That Israel, God said, I, I, I want you to go to the promised land. And Israel says, he said, we can't do it. That's why when they rejected, when they rejected what the 10 spies came back or the 12 spies came back, the 10 said, we can't do it. And two said, we can do it. When they rejected that, they were rejecting that in the context of daily miracles. You're telling me the God that's putting, the, that's holding this cloud up right now, the God that's raining down manna, oh, the God that that rock has been following us around, giving us water, the God that's sustaining the priest, carrying the ark. You're telling me you think he can do all of that, but he can't give you the promised land? And yet, for 40 years, even though they denied God and they walked away from God, God for 40 years kept giving them the miracles every single day. The Bible says their shoes never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. God did a miracle for them every day, and yet they were still rejecting God. They still rejected God's purpose, so I've got to be careful because I can't say, oh, well, hey, my shoes haven't worn out. The cloud's still there. Hear me, somebody. I can't say, oh, I must be all right. Let me put it in modern-day language. I can't just come to church on Sunday and walk in and say, oh, I still feel the presence of the Lord. Everything must be okay. Hear me. God still, God healed me and I, 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 I'm still okay. The sickness hasn't come back, so I must be okay. That's not the measure of your potential. It's not how many trophies you have on the shelf of things that God's done that's measured your potential. Here is the measure of your potential. He said, now therefore, if you will obey my voice measure of your potential is in your obedience to God. Now, we don't shout about this. <laughs> Hear me. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Go, go, go back to where the bread's falling out of heaven, preacher. I like that part. But see, this is where the rubber meets the road, the measure of my potential. If I really want something great in the kingdom of God, it, it, it's not the flash and the lightning and all of that. But the measure of my potential comes down to how obedient am I to the word of God. The measure of our potential is not in the miracles, Israel. The measure of your potential is in your obedience. That doesn't take away from the miracles. We praise God and we glorify, we glorify God on that. But look at what he says. He says, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. If they'll come to the music, i got to close with this. The favor of God. This is what he said. You're going to be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. I am going to treasure you 
above all people. The favor of God, that's what he's talking about in that place. The favor of God will be upon you above all people. The favor of God is determined not by your bloodline, but by your obedience. You want the favor of God in your life? Can I tell you? It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who your mom and dad is. It doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter what you've done. The favor of God is in your life based upon your obedience. You see, we, 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 we think wrong sometimes about God and Israel and the children of Israel. And we read through Scripture and we think, Man, these, these people were really, these people were great. Almost like God just comes along and he's looking and he's going through the list and say, uh, you, I pick you to be my special people. That's not how it worked. God was looking through all of the earth. He was looking for someone who would love him and someone who would obey him. God did not come along and in a lineup and pick Israel out for some reason and say, well, eeny, meeny, miny, mo." God wasn't going through that. What God was looking was he was looking for someone that would just love him and someone that would walk in his ways. And all of a sudden as he's going about and he's looking, I can't find him here and I can't find him there and all the world is after their own ways and selfish. But over here in this city, there was a man by the name of Abram and, and, and Israel was not chosen by God. Israel chose God. They were God's chosen, yes, but hear what I'm saying. God did not choose them in the sense that it was just a random lineup and he was saying, well, it could be either one. I'm going to go with this one. No, that's not how God did it. He was looking, who will obey me? Who will walk after me? Who will love me? And there was Abram. And Abram said, I will. And so God says, okay, I'm going to choose him because he's listening to me. He's obeying. You know why God was doing miracles for everybody? He's still doing miracles today. You know, we're sitting in place right now while the earth is spinning. They tell us at a thousand miles per second, but yet you're sitting in place. You're held down by something we call gravity. We don't even know what gravity is. And all the things we can do, we still haven't figured out what gravity is. We haven't found the magnet yet that's pulling us down. We can't figure out what it is. It's a miracle of God every day. You're living a miracle of creation on this earth. And God's doing the miracle trying to see who will love me. And Abram says, God, I'll go. And so he obeys the voice of God and he starts out and he's looking for a city whose city foundations is, is, is built upon the things of God. And so now what we see is God coming to the next generation of Israel and saying, listen, I've done a lot of miracles for you. I do miracles for everybody, but I've done a whole lot of miracles for you. But here's the measure of your potential. It's not in your miracles, it's in your obedience. If you will obey, you'll be a peculiar treasure to me above all people. You will have the favor of God that others don't have. God wasn't looking at the Canaanites and saying, oh, I don't love them. No, he created them. He formed them just like Israel out of the dust of the earth. It was the Canaanites that history in the Bible tells us that they were rejecting God. 
If you go back and you look at the language of Sodom and Gomorrah, even, even how God talks about Sodom and Gomorrah in the first part, he calls them after someone. He speaks about them in the Hebrew language. There's, there's, there's uh, little markers that would denote this. And the Jews look at this and they see Sodom and Gomorrah probably were a place where they once had a relationship with God because of God, how, how God refers to them. And the Jewish tradition says it's most likely that Sodom and Gomorrah had some kind of relationship with God, but they had walked away from God. The point is this, that God was always desirous of all men to come in. Part of the reason why he kept the cloud over Israel and the rock following them and the manna falling from heaven and their clothes not wearing out was because he was hoping that the nations around of the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Perizzites, he was hoping that they would look at Israel and say, hey, we got to sign up for your program. Your folks aren't getting sick. Your people have all of these blessings. The measure of your potential is not in the miracles, it's in your obedience. And here's what he's saying to the children of Israel. I brought you out of Egypt, but if you want to continue in the favor of God, you've got to obey my voice. I'm going to tell you, if you will be obedient to the word of God, there's no ceiling to what God can do in your life. You say, well, you don't know my family and you don't know my background and you don't know what I've done and you don't know what I've committed and you don't know what crimes and sins and thoughts and other things. I'm going to tell you, all of that can change in a moment if you'll obey God's voice because bloodline doesn't determine the favor of God. Social status doesn't determine the favor of God. It is determined by one thing and one thing alone and that is obedience to the word and the things of God. The measure of my potential is in my obedience and if I will obey and God's going to be victorious. It's not an accident that when God brings them out of, the, out of the wilderness, he takes Joshua, leads them across the Jordan. and They come with those priests. There they are, seven priests bearing the ark. There they are. The moment their feet touch the Jordan River, the Bible says the Jordan parts. They walk across on dry ground. There's another miracle. And they come, and now they're standing before Joshua or before Jericho. And God tells Joshua, he said this, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to Jericho and you're going to march around the city one time. And then the second day, you're going to go march around the city one time. Don't say a word. And the third day, you're going to march around at one time. Don't say a word. Fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, seventh day, you're going to march around it seven times. And on the seventh time, the trumpet is going to blow. And when that trumpet blows at that point, you are to let up a shout. God said, look, I've done a whole lot of miracles for you. But this time, your victory is not going to come just by miracle alone. I'm going to do the miracle, but it's going to come by obedience. Here it is, folks. We got to transition from God doing the miracles to where we get to the place that we'll say, okay, I'm going to do this. You ever done something that God's asked you and you, you didn't really know it or think it made sense? Well, you know what I'm talking about? Feel like the Lord, God, I don't know why you're telling me to do this, but I've learned in my life that if I'll just say, yes, Lord. And so, Here's what happened. Not only did the people obey, but in Joshua 24 and 24, and the people said unto Joshua, this is the closing verses of the book of Joshua, the Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we 
obey. This is the final thing. This is the final scene in the book of Joshua. And the children of Israel are saying, we will obey the voice of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, the book of Judges begins a couple generations after Joshua. And here's what Judges says. Chapter 2 and verse 6, you can go to the Judges, and it says that Joshua and all the people after him, all of the elders, it said they, they were... Chapter 2 and verse number 6. Here it is. I'm in the wrong book. Judges 2 and 6. Thank you. When Joshua had let the people go, so the children of Israel went every man to his inheritance, possessed the land. Go to verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. What does that mean in the context? Well, Joshua's already said they served the Lord, but more than that, they were obedient and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And then verse number 8, it says, Joshua, the son of the Lord, served the Lord died being 110 years old. Go to verse 9. And they buried him in the border. Go to verse 10. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Here's the point. As long as they were obedient to the Lord, the measure of their potential was great. But when the next generation came, it was not an automatic. There had to be obedience in the next generation. Today, we dedicated Weston Dean Lettner, and one of the most powerful things that we can do as a church, as a family, as parents, is to teach him the value of obeying God. Obey God. Stand together. I close with this. My father spoke here on Father's Day. And he shared a story, a powerful story that had happened in his life that he passed on down to me. And this, was, this is what he said. You may remember it. He spoke and he said that his dad, one day, they were riding together in the, in the car. And his dad looked over at him. My grandfather looked at my dad. He called him by name and said, Jonathan? He said, if Brother Urshan, who was their pastor at the time, he said, if the man of God ever speaks something to you from the word of God that's contrary to what I say as your father, he told my dad, he said, you listen to the man of God. You listen to the word of God. Years later, that would be reciprocated when I would be there with my father. My father would look at me and he'd say, Andrew, if Brother Mooney ever tells you something from the Word of God in prayer, if he ever tells you something that I haven't told you, he said, you listen to the man of God. You listen to the Word of God. Now, we know that men can fail, and we know that they're not perfect, and we get all that. But here was the principle. Here was the concept. The number one thing that you've got to do in your life is obey the Lord. And you've got to obey God more than anything else. And the measure of your potential is directly tied to your obedience to the Word of God. You don't just find an itching ear. You don't just find somebody that says it the way you want it to be said. You find out how it's really supposed to be said. And you follow after the Word of God. And if you will obey God with all of your heart, he said, then your potential is limitless. He said, I'll be your God. and None of these diseases will come upon you and I will bless you and you'll be blessed in the city and you'll be blessed in the field and all of these wonderful things and it all hinges upon 
obedience to the Lord. Can we bow our heads together today? Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you today, God, for your word. And I thank you today, God, for your truth. Today, I know I have preached the word of God. I know I have preached the truth that has saved me. God, I pray that I would continue to practice this and live this. I pray that every family, every mother and father, every husband and wife in here today would not be fooled or misled by the touch of your spirit upon their life. God, don't let us just be content to come to the house of God and feel the presence of God and think everything's okay and leave here in disobedience. But God, let our heart be in true surrender, complete surrender to your word. God, I'll obey you with everything in my heart. In Jesus' name. I wonder if we could just lift our hands and our voice to the Lord in your own words. Can you talk to him right now? Come on, in your own words, can you recommit yourself to the Lord today? Come on, in your own words, can you just, hallelujah, reaffirm your commitment to God? Lord, I'm, I'm following after you today. God, I want to serve you today, God. With all of my heart, I thank you for every miracle, God. But the miracle is here to lead me to obedience, God. That's why you've done the work in my heart today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Church, I want to open these altars this morning. If God's done a miracle in your life, if God's doing a miracle in your life, it's because he's trying to lead us to obedience. Come on, will there be someone that join me at an altar and say, God, I'm going to trust and obey. God, right now in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of whatever season, God, I'm walking in obedience today, God. Every avenue of my heart, God, that is not in submission to you, God, I'm bringing it into submission today. God, obedience, Lord, is the measure of my potential, God. Today, God, I want to reach the heights of your kingdom and your glory, and that only comes, God, through the openness and the submission of my heart to you today. In Jesus' name, as they begin.